0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Business Aspirin, pain relief for business. Clint Junell has managed a restoration company in Dallas since 2008 and is one of the top drying experts in his region. Clint is also the co-founder of JobDocs, a software developed to help his team manage their overwhelming volume of projects. On the podcast, Clint brings together business managers and leaders to share with you how they have overcome their business pains and how you can too. And now, here's your host, Clint Junell. Hey, everybody. Good morning and welcome to Business Aspirin. I'm your host, Clint Junell. And today I have with me Trey Eli with Southern Restoration out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Trey, how are you this morning, my friend?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely, man. I'm so excited to have you on. Uh, and, and chat a little bit about part of your background and, and kind of some of the history that's brought you into the space. And, uh, I think having this conversation is going to be beneficial for our listeners because they're going to understand the value of growing up a little bit in the space and then transitioning into kind of doing your own thing and what that's like, and which is similar to kind of how I did mine. Uh, but I think it's going to be fun and a good
1: conversation. All right. Yeah. Let's get going. Well, Trey, tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh, so Born and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina, which seems to be a more and more rare situation. Sure. Um, grew up in the restoration industry. My father had a company called Carolina Restoration and Construction. It's a pretty big size company. And, you know, I, he started, ran that for a better part of 20 years. Um, sold that in 2011, I believe. And, you know, when I was in high school and college, I was working for him in the summer times and the holiday times earning a little bit extra money. And then when I went to college, I was lucky enough for somebody to offer me a golf scholarship. And that golf scholarship, you know, I got there, I was an okay player, but in four years, I was pretty decent and somebody, an alumni sponsored me to go pro and, the next thing you know, I'm a pro for six years, touring around the country and uh, found out that I was not Tiger Woods. And uh, those guys are pretty good, as they say. And I uh, quit about 2010. And, you know, my dad already told me that he was selling the company. So I needed to find something else to do. Started slinging some insurance, some life insurance for a little bit. Okay. Uh, didn't really like that. I uh, was trying to figure out what the next step was for me. And I was like, you know, I know the restoration industry pretty well. I think I'm just going to start something there because, I mean, who wouldn't want to put a whole bunch of stress on themselves? So <laughs> dove into that with two feet and been there ever since. Perfect. So let's talk about stress then. Which what's, what's more stressful, the, you know, the 40-foot putt to, you know, win a tournament or the – restoration space and a putt to win the tournament is not stressful a putt to make the cut okay if you don't have any money in your bank account is super stressful sure because if you miss that putt to win the tournament i mean you finish second second pays well but i've been on both sides of that the restoration industry there's a lot of stresses to it just like any small business or medium-sized business or large business, there's always stresses to it. It's understanding those stresses and trying to get ahead of those stresses that are key to any business. So, you know, in the restoration industry, all you hear about is insurance companies paying less and less, insurance companies putting more and more responsibility on the contractor even though they're paying less, it's taking longer for the contractor to get their hands on money. And, you know, you got these, you know, which I'm not a big fan of the TPOs out there, the third-party administrative TPAs, third-party administrative uh, stuff out there, which is making it harder and harder. So there's a lot of different stuff out there. All it comes down to just understanding. Sure. Sure. But it's all stressful, right? So oh,
0: yeah. let, let's talk about
1: that for a minute. So you
0: grew up understanding the restoration space because of your dad and learned kind of the ins and outs of it. Um, obviously, golf was coming to an end for you uh, somewhere. There was a decision that said, hey, I've got to do something different. Like what? Let's talk about leading up to that decision. What was going on? What was going on in the golf world? What was going on? In family life? Because uh, something led to, all right, pull the trigger and this is this is the better
1: option. Yeah, so we're on the backside of 08. I'm, you know, about 2010, I'm starting to become 30 years old. I had not yet gotten a a stable place and made it, quote-unquote, made it. For your listeners, I just held held up the air quotes, but uh, made it on the PGA Tour. Always thought that I was going to, but then was thinking, you know, statistically, Let's say I make it next year. Will my body run out on me when I'm 40 years old? And if so, what does that look like? I don't have, you know, like, what is my resume going to look like? And I started to kind of stress about that. Like, you know, if I didn't make it on the PGA Tour, in no way did I want to be involved in the golf industry. And so I had to, like, either make it or get out at that point because I can't tell you how many guys I saw that didn't make it, had a whole bunch of credit card debt. They were trying to make it somewhere. Pretty good players, you know, but just for some reason or another, they didn't make it. So I didn't want to be those guys. So you, they lingered there too long Yeah, um,
0: on, on the hope or on the dream. I know a lot of pro athletes for, you know, a lot of them that have made it right. That played professional football, professional baseball, had contracts, did those things. But at the end of the day, the body does give out. So then you got to do something different. And at that point, you're looking at it going, okay, right now I'm financially set enough to be able to do something different. I got to make this work. How important was it that restoration had to work immediately?
1: I put a lot of stress on myself. I mean, I, I had a little cushion but not a great big one you'd be surprised if you're not on the PGA tour you know you're not making just a ton of money even if sure. you're on the corn ferry or whatever I luckily had about three clients that I grew up calling Uncle Tom or you know Uncle Jerry um, and uh, I went to approach them and asked them if they would give me a shot and that was enough because it was just me working out of my living room. Sure. I mean, I had, I had some, I had to pay for my car, had to pay for my gas, had to pay for the general liability insurance, and the only reason I got workers' comp insurance back then is because if you didn't have it, some people wouldn't take you seriously. But I didn't have anybody to have workers' comp on, right? So those were my only expenses. Uh, I was in my living room, um, had to had. You know, before I started, I had I had met with some subcontractors and, you know, they were willing to do work for me and, you know, that, so I, so I didn't need to make, I didn't need to have revenue of a million dollars a month or anything. I, and I, I had to have, I think I had figured it out that I needed to sell about 30 grand a month to just to make a profit. I could pay for my mortgage and I'd be fine. That's not that much. No one job.
0: Yeah. You can fall into that pretty quickly. Right. And that's what, that's what really moved me into the restoration space was also 2008 and I had lost my ass in some real estate stuff. And uh, that was really problematic and trying to figure out how to recover from that. And knowing in the restoration space, you can fall into a half a million dollar job by accident Based but, on relationships, right? Yeah. And so, and that's kind of how we got started on the restoration side of things. So you, you had a need, you saw an opportunity in something that you understood. Um, you had some relationships and then you pulled the trigger on and said, look, I can make this work a little bit here. So obviously relationships were significant uh, in you jumping off to do that. What was your, what you said, you had some subconscious. What was your wheelhouse? What, what kind of restoration were you doing when you started?
1: So that's a, that's a good uh, question because I think like you go into it wanting to do certain jobs and then like I wanted to do small to medium sized water jobs, a lot of mitigation, some construction, you know, the occasional fire, some mold. Um, stuff that would be pretty easy for a small company to get into. For some reason, I had so many uh, uh, relationships that were fostered in the HOA property management industry. Okay, And, you know, once they get to calling you in the HOA management industry, they get in the habit of calling you. And so if anything comes up, a lot of stuff that I had never done before. So I was like, not in a position that I really felt like I could turn anything down, plus i didn't want them to ever think that there was another contractor out there, so, so I I always said yes, yeah, and then it, there might have been a few days where I sat there and researched the heck out of something I had never done before and consulted with other contractors and I mean I remember somebody asked me to one time just to put a road hump in somewhere why would i why would you call me to do that i don't know. Also, people like to use us as just a general maintenance company. I would try to talk them out of it, but I would ultimately end up doing it. I say I'm, I'd always say, "Hey, I'm happy to do this work, and I can do it. You're going to hate my pricing because I carry more insurance and licensing and certificates than anybody than, than chucking a truck out there, so I have to charge a little bit more." And they were like, "Oh, that's fine. It's fine." And you got to remember they're not spending their money. So they're just trying to get rid of their headache. So so we started getting off to that. And so what I wanted to to come back to your question, what I wanted to do is I wanted to do small to medium-sized water damages. I wanted to do small, medium, sometimes maybe a large fire. I wanted to do some mold. Um, I ultimately ended up doing... Just a much more diverse set of, of construction than I had ended up doing. And I think there's a lot of small businesses out there. They have two mindsets. One is like, you know, you know, thank you, but that's not what we're trying to do. And then there's the, okay, let me adjust my mindset real quick. And I know I can do this and make some money at it at the same time. I'm the latter. I don't know if the first one or the second one is, is right or wrong. It's my personal belief that, I mean, unless you're one of the big guys out there, don't turn it down. You know, you know, if you, if you feel uncomfortable with it and you don't think you can give a good product in it, you turn that sucker down every time. But if you feel like you have, the the workforce and the ability to do some research and figure it out, you you, you go with it. Sure. You go with it. Well, and I appreciate uh, that. Right.
0: Uh, and I think that's important for some of our listeners to hear. What I hear you saying is your belief was in order to grow your company, you needed to be valuable. Right. You needed to be perceived as a you're the guy. Right. You're the one where it's like, well, I got a guy. Well, Trey's the guy. So if if I need this done, then Trey can do that and Trey can make this happen and Trey can make all that work. In your case, you actually executed on all of that work.
1: But the, majority like the, speed, of, the speed humps you
0: either The speed went humps I out. said
1: no to. I okay. said no to. I mean, I was like, I didn't... I researched it for... A, I, I told my client, you know, give me a day or two to see if I can actually do this. Yeah, and sure. I came back to him and I said... I came back to him and I said... I don't think this is for me, but I found somebody that I think you can do it with. And so, and I know, I knew that company was never going to be my competition or all the other stuff sure. they sent me. Sure. So I was valuable. And then I found a resource for him and that was, yeah, sure. Yeah.
0: And that's so, so. Th- from that perspective, that sounds a lot like, so I'm, I'm going to lean a little bit the other direction I'm going to be, I want to be valuable. I want to be able to provide a solution for everything. So when our clients call, hey, we can get that handled. I don't do that, but let me connect you to someone. And primarily the same kind of statement you're making, which is, dude, I'm gonna have to charge you so much. It doesn't make sense for me to be in the middle of all this. Let me connect you with someone that can do that. But also- yeah, I did that a few Yeah, trying to separate from, if this is someone that could ultimately later step in and take my work, I don't want to do that. I want to figure that part out. But if it's not, then I want to do the same thing. But for me, I, I want to be in <laughs> our lane. Um, so us as Mr. Restore, I want to be in the restoration lane. I don't want to veer from that restoration lane and get caught up in all the other stuff because what happened, what I saw happening was I saw guys taking on projects that were less valuable because it was something that was in front of them and that could keep them busy. But then when the bigger restoration opportunities popped up, they were busy on the smaller stuff that wasn't really profitable. And I made the decision that I thought it made more sense for us as a company to, Try to stay in a lane.
1: And that's what we did. I did something similar to that. Um, You know, I think it was five, six, seven years ago. And I already brought up the TPAs, which I'm not a big fan of. And we had just kind of dipped our toe into working with one of them. Gotten signed up, been on it for a few, three, six months. It kind of figured it out. Um, and it was just one week, and man, the jobs were rolling in. Get a 6 a six-figure job from this client. Get another six-figure job from that client. Get a third six-figure job from this client. Get a twenty-thousand-dollar job from Contractor Connection. My staff at that time—I had built up my staff. I was no longer just working out of my living room and. Uh, They come to me and they said, uh, Hey, we got to put this $20,000 job that we're probably going to make 15, 20% on ahead of these six figure six figure jobs that we're going to make 40 plus percent on. And I said, why would we do that? And they said, well, the rules of contractor connection make us have to do this. They've got to put it. we got a certain time. I said, well, I'll go ahead and make the executive decision that you're going to prioritize these more profitable jobs. First, I'll call contractor connection. I'll take them slapping us on the wrist and they can take this job back from us and give it to another, another, another contractor. But I'm never going to be going after this, the less profitable job. I mean, I mean, I, I think those big jobs that the other other three, I think they probably, I think they probably bankrolled us for six months. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, and uh, I mean, made half for a year right there. If nothing else came in, and a lot of other stuff did come in. So, but we like if we don't feel like we can make the appropriate margin. Well, I, I love hearing that, I right? Because there there
0: are so many guys out there that are you know still trying to make it, trying to grow. And they're willing to take every job. Um, partly in that same mindset you had when you started. Right. But you I take everything in and not, and not all jobs are good jobs. You learn that as you grow. And as you get more into right. it, you start going, Hmm. And I, I've had projects where like we did the work and then you have to fight get paid because somebody's batshit crazy, you know, and they're losing their mind about something that doesn't have anything to do with you. And you have to fight to get paid and you may or may not get paid at the end of the day on those. And I'm of the opinion I would rather not start the job to not get paid than actually have completed the job and still not get paid. And so you got to make those decisions,
1: right? Well, I mean, I I woke up and went to work this morning uh, to make money. I mean, I could have stayed home with my kids and had fun all day. So, I mean, that's that's the point about going to work. You know, everybody's asking their contractor to do them a solid, hey, can you hook me up here? Can you do that there? Do you ask your doctor to do that? I mean – we are professionals too. So no, I'm not in the, I'm not in the, in, in the game to, to do hookups for people or freebies for anybody. Uh, I want to make money. And you know what the difference between a $1 million company making 50% gross profit margins and a $10 million company making basically no, very small margins that comes out to 500,000, just like the million. The difference between those two companies is one is a big headache and one of them's not right. And the million dollar company making a half a million dollars a year or a 50% gross profit margin where the 10 million or $5 million company that's making half a million dollars a year has a whole bunch of headaches and the million dollar company you're you have a good lifestyle. You're probably paying yourself well. You're not stressed out. You're present when you're home with your family and kids. The ten million dollar company, you're miserable there.
0: Sure. And I think that's valuable to hear. Right. So a lot of our listeners, this has been kind of a, a statement. that has been made a few times in regard to uh, the podcast is there are guys that are so focused on getting that next office, getting that next big truck, getting to this certain dollar in revenue. And sometimes they do it at the expense of you're working harder and not making any more money. And that happens so regularly. I tell my guys all the time um, on our restoration side, one of the things that we say is, Like, we don't need practice anymore. I don't need to be practicing. I know how to do the same thing. Like, so if if there's anything that's going to be done for free, it should be done at our houses. It shouldn't be done at somebody else's house. We should be getting paid for what we do. And so, like, I love hearing you say those things, right? Because I think that's significant.
1: You know, yeah. I mean, you start off scared when you're starting a company, you know, you start off scared. And you're wanting people to give you business, but then once they give you business, you're wondering how you're gonna perform that business. And once you perform that business, you're sitting there and you're going, oh my gosh, do I sacrifice my margin so they'll like me a little bit more and I'll give them a bit more friendly price. You get done and you've like, you've just poured yourself into this and you don't have much show for it, but you're scared. And that adrenaline keeps you going for maybe the first year. And then after that, Yeah. You remember uh, or you learn that, hey, I'm doing this to make money. Right. I see my friends going out there and having an expensive dinner or whatever. I want to be able to do that too. And you start putting a premium on your value that you bring to the process. And once you learn that you are valuable, you price it accordingly. Over the years, to maybe shift gears just a little bit. The labor market hasn't been all that good in America as, as a whole, right? We have, and I'll bring it back to what we were just talking to, but I'm going to make a separate point as well. Uh, the labor market hasn't been all that good. You will find that the really, really large commercial general contractors in this world, they are struggling for labor. And we have been reached out to by them, and they have asked, Hey, would you price out doing the drywall work? Will you price on this big project, you know, much bigger than anything that you would find in the restoration industry? You know, it's 5,000 sheets of drywall, 2,000 sheets of drywall, you know, and hey, would you look into pricing out the floor? the framing, the, the drywall. And I would say, yeah, I'd be happy to. You know I'm going to sub out all this stuff, right? We don't care. We don't care. And their pricing, full Xactimate pricing, is a good subcontractor pricing for these large, large commercial GCs that do stuff nationwide. It's, it's something for maybe your viewers to think about. Because the local labor may not qualify financially um to do work for them, but you know you're managing those guys yeah, uh, sure. so so we had some success in that, but when early on early on, they would send us some stuff, and we they'd be like, "I need you to price this out," and we figured out, "Oh, you don't even have this project yet." I was like, "Hey, man, I, I I don't need the practice here. You call me up when you actually have a job, and I'll price it out for you." So that's what we always used to go around saying. But I just thought I might a little drop yeah. that in there. So yeah, uh, the, well, and, like, and
0: looking for opportunities when you need opportunities that pay well is fine, right? I think that's I think that's valuable. If somebody's reaching out and they need your help, be valuable to them, which is what we said us to begin with. Be valuable, yeah, because being valuable puts you in a position where people are going to remember you and need you and utilize you. And you can have some growth that's going on there. That's for sure. Talk about some of the pain points that you have right now. Other than labor, obviously labor is a problem, right? And we talk about that. Well, I
1: mean, go back 20 years and the subcontractors thanked us for the work and now we're thanking them for doing the work, you know, it's kind of flipped on us. Subcontractors. I say that, I hope nobody thinks that I, just put them down there because they're great people. And a lot of them are my good friends, but their pricing is higher and they're less reliable than they used to be. I mean, that's, in my opinion, you need to get a hold of those those good subs. You need to pay them. You need to pay them on time. And if you're paying them and paying them on time and they mess up here, you can fuss at them all day. But if you're late, it's kind of hard. But with that being said, the restoration industry is not tied to the economy. So it doesn't matter if Obama, Trump, or Biden is your president. You know, fire's going to happen where fire's going to happen, or water damage is going to happen where water damage happens. Um, historically, you want more than a 40% gross profit margin. Uh, but just because it's not tied to the economy doesn't mean it doesn't roller coaster with the seasons of the year. Because it does have something to do with the weather that you're experiencing at that time, so you know, as it roller coasters throughout the year, every year it's been a roller coaster. you know you got to be able to find some stuff to for your guys to do in between, and it's nice that it roller coasters because sometimes you're able to just kind of get caught back up sure. so uh so that so that is how I look at it. I think today it takes a little longer to get paid. I think it—you um, got your—you got money held in escrow by the mortgager. You have you have uh, insurance adjusters. You have less and less insurance adjusters with more and more on their plate, and it's harder for them to get things out in a timely fashion. So timeliness of payment, insurance companies paying less and less are a stress point. Most restoration companies are not making the 40% margins that they once did. And if you ask anybody, why'd you get into the restoration industry? They'll tell you, well, the margins are great. They have been sunk a little bit lately. And so, you know, I, I don't know where the industry is going. The TPAs are here to stay. I really hate it when I'm not on a TPA program and I, Got get to talking to some adjuster and they look at my estimate and they say, well, we don't allow contractors to charge for this. And I'm a big enough smart ass to say, well, good thing that I don't give a shit about that uh, because just because you're a bigger company than me doesn't mean I'm going to let you dictate how I invoice. And they push back pretty hard on that, but I win every time. I might have to ask the homeowner to have a chat with the adjuster and that adjuster and I are probably not going to work together in the future unless he has to. But if I feel strongly about it, I'm not going to change it. Uh, And it always depends on what they're asking for and how much that impacts my
0: margin. Right. Right. But it's continual. Like what I tell customers all the time, Trey, is it doesn't matter if I charge you a hundred grand for this job or a hundred dollars for this job. It's too much. The insurance company thinks it's too much regardless of what I charged you. And they're going to want to complain about something. So this is where we're going to be. And good way of putting k- kudos to you for being able to stand your ground. There's a lot of people that won't. Um, and I would say it's important at, based on my perspective to be able to stand your ground and and make sure the insurance company is accountable for things you actually did that are actually justified that needed to be on that job. Now, I know there are some contractors out there that, they're, they're trying to just fluff things up and bill for things that they didn't do and didn't have anything to do with them because they know the insurance company is going to try to beat them up on it and try to take it off. And they're just trying to figure out a way to kind of skirt the thing. And I, I, I'm not a fan of that. I don't
1: think that's the way to do it. Bill well, for what you did and stand your ground. I I, I totally agree with you. And I'll, and I'll look at it from a couple of different angles there. I think <clears throat> I think that uh, if, if I have something on my estimate, that's a mistake. Like, we're not going to have to do that. Legitimately take it off. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I forgot. I'm human. I make mistakes. Um, And that's the definition of the role of an insurance adjuster. He found something that was an error on my part and called me out on it. Consequentially, you find out that like Allstate, which I get frustrated with from time to time, uh, but they will. I've heard that they pay their, and that's been a, it's been confirmed by some of their adjusters that they will pay their adjusters a commission on how low how much lower they get the estimate from the contractor. So they'll track. Hey Trey, Trey Eli had it at, at Southern Restoration had it at hundred thousand dollars for this claim. And you got it at ninety one thousand saving us nine thousand dollars. We're going to give you a little bit of that nine thousand dollars in your next paycheck. So when you find that out, they're not just looking for legit stuff, illegitimate stuff, they're looking for legit stuff too. Sure. so well, so if you and I' don't, I don't know do this with everybody for but for a while I was doing a lot of allstate claims, so if it was if we knew we needed a hundred thousand dollars. We would put it at 105 with some illegitimate stuff. And we would help them find the illegitimate stuff. And they would be happy as can be. We were not trying to do anything dishonest. We would just put it in low, there low they had hanging to find fruit. something. Yeah. Huh? Here's something. Here's some low hanging fruit.
0: Here's some you, low-hanging you probably, fruit. man. You probably should take that off. And I'd be willing to give you credit on that, because oops.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I might as well, have just, I might as well have just highlighted every illegitimate line item in there sure. so they could find it. Sure. I mean, like tell them where it was. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. What's interesting. So it's,
0: it, and I like hearing the way that you combated some of those pain points, right. It's like, this is the way I addressed it. I, I stood my ground. I gave them an easy way to find it out uh, to show their value. Right and get where they needed to be and potentially even help them from that matter. Right. If they got some piece of that five grand, they saved that, you know, I, I think that's, it's interesting. Uh, and I like how you did that. So uh, I, mean, I, I, I never intended
1: it. to charge a I just threw it out there just so they could find it, you know, and I got some pretty strong viewpoints of how the restoration industry used to be and, and is now and how it should be. Um, you know, there was a public adjuster that I talked to one time and he, he said something that I thought was smart when dealing with the TPA companies, because when you're dealing with a TPA company, their job is to, they'll tell you their job is to get you to charge the right amount. I feel like their job is to lower us. I mean, most people would say when dealing with a TPA company that they cannot make margins on that, you know, in the, the insurance company, this is what this public adjuster told me one time, when you, as a homeowner, signed your homeowner's policy, there was never a time where you said, because you signed like that they would pay market pricing, market, average market pricing to get things put back the way they used to be. That's what your policy says. And never was there a point where they consulted you and said, hey, we're going to try to put a network together of contractors that'll do it for less than market value. And taking a risk that that contractor might skip a couple's corners, so he goes. It never was that ever discussed with the person buying the policy that they were going to do it for less than market value. And I was like, you know, that's that's a really good point. I have brought it up a couple of times in different ways in in negotiations with the insurance company. Sure. And when I, when they were being really hard on me and they, and they, and they wouldn't like budge, I would just say, Hey, look, this is market value. I know you don't want to pay it, but you know, like you're going to have to tell the insurance, the insured that you can't come to an agreement with me because you're going to, you're trying to get it done for less than market value. And they don't like having that conversation.
0: No, they don't, uh, and that's something that we've dealt with regularly on your what I would call core claim carriers, right? The fifty thousand dollar and below claims, and sometimes right. even the one hundred and fifty thousand dollar and above claims.
1: Yeah, and if anybody thinks fine. that you're, if anybody thinks that you're going to do more fifty plus thousand than than sub fifty thousand. Um, you're lying to yourself. The majority is just right there. That's right. And you're going to have that fight
0: on a regular basis. And that's some of the stuff that we say, like, I'm even thinking in my head, there's a customer that I'm I'm going to snip this piece of the podcast, that you're making these statements and I'm going to send this to a client so they know. And Even the part of my staff, right? Like, there's times I have to convince my staff, this is not just us, but my staff only sees our end of it, right? And hear from every insurance carrier, we are the only contractor that charges blah, and I, on repeat, have to let them know that's not true and not accurate and not valid. But if you guys are listening to this podcast, know that if you're if this is something you're experiencing, this is not isolated to you. Trey has this problem, I have this problem. Six or seven others that have been on this podcast have this same problem uh It depends on how you choose to go about getting your business. Um, if you were, you know, dealing with contract connection, you just said you were going to make a 15% margin on one and you had to put them at the front of the line. And if you didn't, then you were going to get beat up by the program. And like, that's an unfortunate scenario in order for a business model to exist. And we need to be in a position where that's not how we operate because you can't survive. If you make a 15% margin on a product, on a project, you're losing your business. You can't continually do Fifteen percent margin and stay open, and put them you at the front of everything. It. And so you, you got to go stand your ground and and fight for what you've got. And I, I really appreciate you making that statement as how you're addressing these pain points. And I think it's valuable. And I literally may have uh, the team cut part of this section of the podcast specifically out just to send to clients. Hey man, like hey, this is Southern Restoration out of, out of North Carolina. He he has this same problem and you need to listen to this this is not just me this is throughout the industry throughout the nation
1: so and- I'll, I'll probably share this with some of my staff too but uh, so one last thing so and we're talking about small businesses in this comment as a whole but and I guess specifically for this industry too I concentrate on what my talents are I'm the business owner I'm good with sales I'm good at managing people There are better estimators than me out there. There are better project managers than me out there. There are better water technicians than me out there. And I try to hire people that are better than me in those areas. Um, I've always been our best salesman. I've hired salesmen before, and um, uh, they haven't worked out as well as I would like for them to. But for me to be able to tell insurance adjusters and agents and property management companies, this is my number and I'm not budging off of it. um, That uh, um, I have to have a fairly diverse set of clients out there that continually come back to me because if I feel like if I say no to this guy, he he won't use me in the future. That's a bad position to be in. Sure. Um, I actually have a, a former employee, uh, probably the best employee I ever had. Um, he was my number two for a long time. And he went out and started his own. But he went, he left me and ended up coming back to me because he wanted to learn from another restoration company. And he called me up after about two months of being there. And he said, Trey, you're not going to believe this. And I said, okay, what is it? He said, I got called into my new boss's office. I said, Why? He said, Well, there are on a lot of programs over here, and, and I have to abide by what all the program stuff is. And I told the, and I went off of your business model, and I said, Well, this is the number we can do it for, take it or leave it. And the insurance adjuster called his new boss and said, no, no, no. Oops. <laughs> he, so he got called in. They took him to lunch and they said, uh, hey, we got to talk. And he said, so wait a minute. You're calling me in your office to tell me that you, I need to make you less money. And he says, essentially, yes. They're out of business now. He went into business for himself. He learned both both models. He took mine and went with it. So, I mean, kudos to him. Beautiful. And I love it. Yeah. I I send him work when we're we're overloaded. We're still great friends. And he's he's doing really well. Awesome. Tell me something that uh, you wish you had known when you got started that you know now. A bunch of things. I wish I had known. Uh, I sacrificed my margins too often early on just trying to keep people happy wish I'd known my self-worth wish I had understood that insurance adjusters are for the most part just like every other human being and a little bit lazy they want you to do their job for them and I would have done it for them if I had known they wanted me to do it for them I wish I had known I wish I had taken uh, accounting a little bit serious, a little bit more serious in college. I think that's important, especially when you get that six-figure, seven-figure job. I wish I had. Um, I wish I had known that. Although you always want to take care of your employees, really take care of them. That niceness is not the enemy what I was trying to say is uh, uh, jumping on somebody's case is not the enemy of motivation. Right. I don't know if uh, jumping on their case, I don't, I, that's the wrong way of putting it, but I understand what you're saying though. Right. Yeah. Like you've got to, you got to be able to hold people accountable um, yeah. to do their job, but to move
0: them forward, to move the needle. Right. I get it. I get it. Well, I love those things, man. the, the first one, the first one you said I think is, is significant in terms of know your value. Right, it's been kind of a theme. You've said that a couple times in regards to where we're at. Here is know your value and don't waver from what you know your value is. Don't
1: sacrifice. So for everybody listening out there that might have a brother-in-law that's a really good contractor, that might have a, a friend that's a really good contractor, and you might be a restoration contractor. Think about this for a second. Where we earn our true value on the insurance claim is not that we're better general contractors than your brother-in-law or your friend. Bob Vila will come out there in this old house and turn me, you know, make me look silly. The process of negotiating with the insurance claim and understanding the homeowner's rights is our value. The work is just the bonus. So, like, because your brother-in-law or your friend that's probably a better contractor than you are, cannot navigate the claims process like you let him put him or her put a an estimate together a contract together to do the work after a fire watch what that insurance adjuster does with that so understand Absolutely. that that that's where we earn our values in that front's part of that process well, I, I think it's been great, man. Like,
0: I want to be mindful of your time. We've we've run for a little, yeah, run little longer it. than we should. I'm long-winded. Is there, no, it's good, man. I love it. And it doesn't bother me that we do that. But we, you know both of the things we got to do. So I want to make sure I get yeah. freed up. Is there anything that you want to say that I haven't
1: asked a question about that's, that we've brought up so far? Or have we, do you think we've covered it? I think we've covered it. I mean, we need another t- podcast and, and, like, another episode just to dive into – where the industry was and where it's going, where I see it going, where you see it going. I mean, you might want to do a podcast one day of what this industry was in the year 2000 versus what it is today. Yeah, yeah. yeah what the hell yeah. happened to podcast. Right, because <laughs> it'll blow your mind and I, yeah. could give yeah. you, I could give you a couple guys, my father being one, that was like... <laughs> man they were making good money back then and with less headache sure some of the same challenges that we have today sure but um it was easier yeah sure it was for
0: sure well yeah. trey i tell you what man i really appreciate you being on uh and a second podcast to have that conversation may not be out of the question that may be something that we actually set up so you know be looking for me to reach back out on to you all right. on all of that um but uh for all of you listening uh, this has been business aspirin i appreciate you being here trey thanks so much Uh, if you guys are in the North Carolina area and you need something in Charlotte, Trey is your guy. Make sure you reach out to them at Southern restoration and, uh, Trey will take good care of you. Uh, if you need help, if you have a a client or a friend that lives in that market and they need somebody connect with Trey, Trey, thanks for being on, man. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Take care. This has been a business aspirin pain relief for business podcast. If you're a business owner trying to overcome your business pains, follow us on Apple Podcasts or visit our website for more information, job-docs.com.